You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. John Dykes, and today for an impromptu show, I'm joined by Colin Watt, who is sporting his national team's colours for tonight, Colin. So obviously we're going to squeeze in a one-hour show before you go away and enjoy the football. Um, how do you fancy it tonight anyway? Uh, do you know what? We were talking about this on the state of Scottish football last night. For some weird reason, despite the fact we've not beat Israel uh, since 2016 in normal time, 2018, sorry, in normal time, there's just this feeling behind the country at the minute that there's something that we can do. The squad's as good as it's ever been. I get a wee feeling that if we get an early goal tonight, then we could be in for something special. I was looking at that squad and I'm very um, enthused by the amount of young talent coming through, you know, at that level mm-hmm. as well, Colin. So you're kind of hoping that in the next three, five years uh, and beyond, there is going to be this influx of uh, youth being introduced to the squad. I think there's been previous Scottish managers who have been reluctant 
to bleed the, the youth players in. But I think they're as good um, as they have been for a number of years in Scotland. And we just need to play them. You, you know, yeah. Billy Gilmer showed that, didn't he? Um, he showed that down in Wembley. You've just got to play these guys and they will um, develop as a result of the game time at such a level. Um, yeah, this has not been announced, this broadcast, Colin. So people will either be notified on the YouTube channel or they'll pick up on it after the event. But uh, we can't go a whole weekend without an Axon Bulletin. Hence the reason that we're coming on and we're going to do um, almost not quite a half-term report, but a report at this stage on how the signings have uh, worked out so far for Celtic, Colin. And your screen seems to have frozen. Are you still with us? The answer to that is no. Hopefully Colin can reboot his system just while I go over to the comment section and have a wee chat with the people tuning in. Uh, Cor- Cormac Ryan is first to comment. Good afternoon. By the way, first chance to listen live in 80s. Well, I'm delighted to have you back, uh, Cormac. As you will know, we do go out at 12.30 every single weekday. Um, I'm just going to bring Colin in on another screen every weekday. There you are. Uh, but when we can and when there's not a game, we come on for impromptu weekenders and uh, more often than not, it's Colin and I. Now, the reason we wanted to do this, Colin, is we were looking ahead quite a few months ago to what the state of the squad would have been, how many mm-hmm. people were going to leave, how many people we had to bring in. And it seemed at that time pretty brutal when we, mm-hmm. when we did that particular show because we were talking a dozen players coming in, which seemed bizarre. But that's exactly where we are. We've brought in a dozen. We're going to look yeah. at the dozen. And I know that you've mentioned a couple of times the likes of Uri Gideon, and, uh, you know, Liam Shaw haven't actually played competitively for the club yet, but mm-hmm. they have been brought in as first-team players. They, the guys haven't been brought in as B-team players. Uh, you know, we had a couple of announcements of B-team signings. Yeah. They were brought in as first-teamers. We're going to run through them, not chronologically, but in position order, because when you look at this list, we have actually strengthened in every position. We've brought 12 First team or first team squad players in. The mm-hmm. first one we're going to talk about, Colin, is Joe Hart. So, what's your thoughts so far on Joe Hart? He's made 15 appearances, he's conceded 18 goals, he's had six clean sheets. It costs us little over a million quid. What kind of impact has he had since he's came to Celtic? Joe Hart is basically it's a Ron Seal signing. You got exactly what you expected to get from him. He offers you that experience of being the um, campaigned international. He's played on such a high level. Um, he's played in a Champions League semi-final. That's something that a Celtic player can't say they've achieved since... I mean, you'd have to go back to Henrik Larsson, and that was when he left the club. So there's a lot of um, a lot to be said about bringing someone of that calibre into the club. Yes, they're getting towards the sort of latter half of their career, but they're able to bring in this sort of stability to an area where over the last 12, 13 months with Barkas, Bain and even going down as far as Connor Hazard, someone who has just completely went out of the picture now, it just shows that the difference of bringing in a quality goalkeeper and what it can do to maybe a defence that isn't fully settled yet, but how much worse could it have been without someone like that in there? Um, If I had to to rate that signing of... um, Joe Hart out of 10. For me, that's an 8.5 out of 10 every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he could be better, but he's not played a lot of football for a 
um, for the likes of Spurs and the, the other teams that he was at beforehand. He was their sort of second, third choice goalkeeper. Fair play to him for putting himself out there and deciding that he was the one that wanted to get um, the minutes week in and week out. And he's going to get that at Celtic. And to me, he's not really put a foot wrong yet. Well, with Joe Hart, the, the big issue that I had at the beginning of the season uh, when I looked at the squad was the fact that we didn't have an out-and-out number one, you know, the first-choice mm-hmm. number one call. And I don't think anyone would have put our mortgage on Barkas, Bain, or indeed Hazard. And when you're looking at Hazard, I find that quite an interesting one myself, actually, Colin, just like you said, because when we were given the opportunity last season um, to attend a press conference with John Kennedy, it was a day or two after Conor Hazard had signed a new contract at Celtic. Mm-hmm. And I asked the question about Hazard and how you know, how important it was going to be in a post-COVID landscape um, that we had youth players coming through the academy system. And I related that to Conor Hazard in respect of whether or not he was going to be viewed as a potential number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, uh, you know, unsurprisingly, John Kennedy was non-committal in his response, but he spoke about this potential of Hazard. But it is interesting that he has completely fallen out of favour at Celtic. At the beginning of the season, it seemed as though Ange Postacoglu was going to try and revitalise the careers of both Barkas and Ayeti. And mm-hmm. I say the careers, I mean, you're not revitalising the Celtic careers because I don't think either of the two of them have ever really got started at Celtic. Correct. But there was this almost false hope that we were going to get a goalkeeper out of Barkas. I think we've seen enough to suggest that that's never going to be the case. Joe Hart comes in, like you say, he's a man with... Uh, High calibre. You look at his previous experience at club and international level. And with his clubs, the kind of European experience he's had as well, Colin. Very impressive. And I think that when you look at some previous teams that played entertaining football, which is what Ange promised us, sometimes their Achilles heel was a goalkeeper. And I'm thinking mainly of Tommy Burns' side. Mm -hmm. For me, Tommy Burns' side um, were a goalkeeper away from being a title-winning Absolutely. I don't think he ever had an out-and-out top-class goalkeeper whilst uh, the late, great Tommy was in charge at Celtic. And I've actually got that jersey that I think is synonymous with the period uh, under Tommy Burns. Have a guess whose jersey that is, Colin. I might have told you yesterday. You told me yesterday, so I'm going to leave it out for the viewers to um, tell us who it is. It's a huge um, bit of kit, isn't it? You saw it in in the flesh. And what I love about these jerseys is obviously they're undoubtedly match worn because you could not buy that style of jersey in long sleeves back then. And then you've got the umbro, velvety umbro numbers on the back. So that was worn in the Mike Galloway testimonial game. Mm-hmm. So anybody who wants to hazard a guess at whose jersey it is, I will give you a clue. He is a manager in the Scottish Premiership at this moment in time. So there you go. You should be able to get it from that. But Tommy Burns' team lacked a goalie. And we, I felt, until the arrival of Joe Hart, absolutely lacked a goalkeeper. I think we've plugged that gap. Definitely. And I just want to bring this comment up um, from Sonic James Studs here. And it said, Hart's good enough for Scottish football, um, Premier League, etc., Serie A, etc. He's not good enough for that level and hasn't been for years now. Now, I just want to take you across the city. And I know a lot of people don't like talking about this. But Alan McGregor came from a Hull side that were recently relegated. David Marshall, who's your number one goalkeeper, or was your number one goalkeeper for Scotland, came from a, a kind of derby side who were close to relegation. I don't think 
the the kind of team that the keeper is at determines how good they can be. Look at Fraser Foster. Fraser Foster was a third choice goalkeeper for Southampton and yet he can go on and put the performances in in Europe. It's all about having the ability within them, having that defence in front of them, and then seeing what you can actually get out of them. And I think what Joe Hart's been able to do is, because he's growing into it, he will show over time, that experience will just come back to him, it'll be like riding a bike, he'll remember how good he is and the saves that he can pull off. Now, certain goalkeepers at Celtic at the minute haven't been able to get to that level. So what I can suggest is, in the same sense that McGregor and um, Hart made the moves to Scotland, Barkas maybe needs to make the move away to another league to rebuild his confidence, and then maybe you'll see the kind of goalkeeper that he's got inside of him. Well, I was going to ask, where, where does this leave us when it comes into January? Because I'm in agreement with you. I think that, I'm not going to say hit or miss, I don't like calling professional footballers, and particularly footballers that play with Celtic, flops. I don't like calling them flops. But the, the question would be, I guess, has Joe Hart improved Celtic in that position? And I think universally we'll all agree. Uh, disagree in the comment section and, and tell us why. But I think from what I've been hearing, that we're all in agreement that Joe Hart definitely has improved that position. Where does it leave us in the goalkeeper um, stakes come January, Colin? Who do we offload? And if you do offload, let's say, Bain and Hazard, obviously you're going to know Hazard, sorry, Barkas, you're going to have to bring somebody else in. Yeah, I think Bain will be the one that stays around as the sort of um, second-choice goalkeeper, the, the Zaluska type, the one that hangs around for sort of five, six seasons, maybe plays the odd game here and there, the Mark Brown type of player, um, who's a not a great goalkeeper, but if you had to throw him in here and there, he'll maybe give you a performance. Barkas doesn't want to be that goalkeeper. He'll want to be a number one, and that's who I can see definitely leaving. Connor Hazard, I think, will probably leave to go out on loan, and then he'll be fighting Bane for that sort of backup position going forward. I think January you'll see the end of uh, Vasilis Barkas time at Celtic. And Duhan's already out on loan, isn't he? He's at Tran- he is. Yeah, he's yeah. on Tranmere. Yep. And he's he's been out on loan getting game time elsewhere. So sometimes you think to yourself that um, you know if a player has a number of loan deals, they're almost running down their contract to the point where mm. they leave the club as well. But um, yeah, I think that's a good point in terms of uh, Scott Bain's future at the club. But Barkas, not only should he be looking at it thinking, I can't be a number two, I don't think Celtic should have someone, um, and I'm going to say of his calibre, I'm talking about the, the transfer fee that it costs yeah. and the wages, the wages that it will be costing us. Because you bring in a player at £5 million, an international um, player at that, they'll be on a decent wage column. We can't really have him sitting as number three. Um, in terms of the goalkeeper, you see him popping up on the U- Europa League games on the bench because you need mm-hmm. to have two goalies on. That's the only appearance that he's going to be getting. So I think that uh, no one will argue if Barkas's career at Celtic finishes. So there's the first one, Joe Hart. And apparently he'd been a target for some time. We picked him up for a little over a million quid. And I think value for money as well um, is an undoubted uh, part of that deal. Right back. Now, let's go back to that conversation we had back in the day, Colin. Yep. This has been a problem for Celtic, and it's been a problem since the days of uh, Mika Lustig. Mm-hmm. Mika Lustig uh, leaves the club, and there's a, a whole host, there's a plethora of right-backs who have come and gone. you know. And some of them came with, again, big clubs on their CVs, for example. Um, and, and before you knew it, you know, we were down to one, and that one was Anthony Ralston. So, you know, Marit Boyer, I know you weren't a big fan 
of uh, Maurice Bauer. We had no. John Joe Kenny. I mean, there has been Daniel Toyan who came in from Borussia Dortmund mm-hmm. and failed to impress. Um, and then, of course, we're bringing John Joe Kenny, and uh, he was pretty un- unimpressive as well during a difficult, difficult run for the club, obviously. But it got to the point in the in the preseason where you and I discussed it. And we said, "Well, obviously, we need an- another right back. We only had two at the club: Leo Connor and Anthony Ralston." And most people were writing off Ralston mm-hmm. uh, and, and saying, and, and another player that came in and went was Jeremy Frimpong, of course, and mm-hmm. went back as well. And the biggest surprise of the season was Tony Ralston's re-emergence from the wilderness um, to come in and play the most football he's ever played in a Celtic jersey. But uh, we still were, were dreadfully short at, at right back. We let Leo Connor go back to Tranmere, Colin. Um, it doesn't look as though, for, for any number of reasons, he does... He has a future at Celtic. I know he's a Republic Island international. He came in from Manchester United. Um, he had potential, but it doesn't seem to have worked out for him. So we brought in uh, Joseph Zhiranovic. He's come in from Legia Warsaw. And we've not seen a great deal of Zhiranovic, which I think is the, the only concern. Um, but it was an unfortunate injury that he picked up against Dundee United because I was looking forward to, to seeing him get a run of games. How impressed have you been with Juranovic since he arrived? I've got to say, I think he's uh, one of those players that as soon as he uh, stepped onto the pitch, you could just tell he had that class about him. Um, And I'd like to think that he will be the long-term answer for Celtic at right-back. It's incredible that even in his first game at left-back, you're thinking, this is a great signing we've made. Um, And he's come in and I've got to say, he's already made that jersey his own. Uh, I think Ralston... He's done better than a lot of people would have expected, um, but he's starting to go back to the form of why people like myself were convinced that he didn't have a future at the club, um, especially when we gave him another 12-month contract. It was sort of out of desperation that we gave him it because he was the only option at the club at the time. So you've got the two of them there. If we get an injury to either of them, we're in a very difficult position right now. Very, very difficult position. Um, Juranovic currently out with an injury. We hope to see him back. Ralston sort of struggled in the last couple of games. And it's not as if we can help him out there because there's no one that we can turn to. So I still think when you look at the January transfer window coming up, it's a position that we should be trying to bring in a reinforcement, whether that be someone for the future or someone that can come in and challenge uh, Juranovic right now. Um, but overall, the signing of Juranovic and the sort of few fleeting appearances that I've seen of him so far, I'd say that's a, a 7 or 8 out of 10. You're looking at Juranovic. Uh, he's come in from Lija Warsaw, who, mm-hmm. you know, uh, his teammate was Arthur Boric, uh, a cult, iconic goalkeeper from Celtic's past who's still playing in his 40s. He's come in, he's got the number 88, which I associate with Gary Hooper. Yep. And um, we saw in his last game for Legia Warsaw him scoring a cracker from distance. We've seen his uh, prowess from the penalty spot. And I've got to say that I have been impressed with him, uh, both right and left back. And I love that adaptability, Colin. It's something that I think that throughout the season we will see um, switches from right to left. We'll talk about uh, further up the pitch as well, where that really is invaluable to, to a team that's uh, in four different competitions. But the one thing I, I perhaps would disagree with you on is 
on Tony Ralston. Um, I agree that he's a second choice. I get, I totally get that point, and I agree with it. You don't bring someone in for two and a half million quid with the international kind of uh, pedigree of Zhiranovic for him to be a second choice. Absolutely. So I, I do think that Ralston's a second choice, but I think he's a pretty good second choice. I do, I do believe that. Yeah, he was given his one-year contract. You're right, out of desperation because we needed mm-hmm. the bodies, and you know Lee Griffiths was given a contract out of desperation as well. Absolutely, let's not, yeah. let's not forget. But I do think that he's done enough to suggest that he's a good, solid enough right back who, domestically at least, could do a job there in most games. And I think that I would keep him. I actually would extend his stay, and and I would look upon him as being the backup. I'm not 100% sold on that, to be honest. I think when you look at the games, especially the Leverkusen game, he was targeted. He was a target for them to come down that side. I don't think he's someone who... Alkmaar as well. Yeah, Alkmaar. Alkmaar. Um, I even think Aberdeen the other week, when we played them, I thought they targeted that side as well. Um, I, I, I think he's not someone who is comfortable playing the Ange style of football in this inverted fullback. Where he was very comfortable was up front when he scored against Hearts. Um, and to be fair to him, he scored a, a couple of goals this season. So maybe he could maybe look at that going forward as where his position wants to be on the park. He's, he was solid enough for about four or five games. And then it just kind of, the standards slipped a bit. And I think you're already seeing the people that were criticising him before are criticising him again now. And look, I've heard this whole thing about him being young. He's not, he's not at a stage where... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. He's going to do a lot more development in his career he'll maybe increase slightly, but it's not that age between sort of 17 and 21 where you see the players develop into the the quality and they'll still show that bit of potential that will be growing as maturity comes. But Ralston never played that football. He was out on loan at St Johnston. He was out on loan at Dundee United. Um, He was out on loan somewhere else as well. I can't remember where else. Yeah, Queen's Queen's Park. Park. And that's if that's the sort of where he's going to go and learn his football... It doesn't suggest to me that he's ever going to be someone that can come in and be a solid enough backup for Celtic. I think there's already players in the Scottish League that Celtic could turn to to be that solid backup. And if they want to develop and grow the squad and make it a squad that's competitive, not only in Scotland but in Europe, then they'd have to go beyond Anthony Ralston. For me, I would be looking at someone like Calvin Ramsey that's coming through at Aberdeen. Someone at the age of 17, 18 is already staking the claim for that jersey to be his. There's people crying out for him to be in the Scotland under-21s, even the, the, the national team. Mm. And I, I just think Ralston's probably peaked now um, in his Celtic career. I, I'd love to be proved wrong. I'd love him to come and do it again. But I, I just think that's that's him. Um, he may hang around, he may get an additional deal, but for me it would only be as the third choice. You know, we've had some really good discussions about the the nature of loan deals and the fact that we should really rethink them, Colin, and get the players out on our level, get them playing for teams in our league, because yeah. that, that's the standard that we want them to come back and compete for a jersey at. And it's worked with Chris Iyer, it's worked with Ryan Christie, and it, it doesn't weaken Celtic because they can't play against us, 
but they might do you a favour when you're yeah. play, when they're playing other teams up in the top three or four, um, and at the at the moment six, uh, the top six positions in the league. But Ralston at twenty two, the one thing I would disagree on, Colin, and not just to be argumentative here, because obviously we've not shared the same views on Ralston this season. I do think a footballer can develop post the age of twenty two, and the one example I would use is Callum McGregor. Now McGregor, he didn't play a lot of football. He made his debut at 21 for Celtic. He mm-hmm. played for a season and a half at Notts County on loan. He developed, I believe, under Brendan Rodgers. So he's come in at 21. He's had two seasons under Dyla, takes him up to 23. He developed at the age of 24, 25 under Brendan Rodgers. So it can be done. Yeah, I no, think I, it can be done. I agree with you there, but he showed that potential at 21, 22. I don't think Ralston's shown any sort of potential to say that he would be a first choice for Celtic and a first choice for his country going forward. I think, and I could see it in the comments as well, I think he's a, a hard worker. I think he's definitely given, he's given it all with his heart. And um, I, I just think it comes to a point where you reach a, a certain level and you, you peak at that level. I think you've got Callum McGregor who came in at this level and then with the development of Brendan Rodgers and the, the rest of the coaching team, it took him to the next level. Mm-hmm. Anthony Ralston at the next level is not there. He just doesn't get to that level. That's that's just the way football is. Everybody's got their own ability and potential. And it's not to say that he's a bad footballer, but it's just to say that he's not got that potential you want to see from a Celtic player. Would you rather we brought someone else in as a number two? Because I'm, I'm in agreement with you. He's not our first choice. Juranovic yeah. every day of the week will be the first choice when everybody's fit. Do you reckon that we bring somebody else in at right back then? And is that something that you'd be looking for in January? I mean, we do have Stephen Welsh who can cover mm-hmm. that area. And another one of the signings who we'll be talking about, albeit pretty briefly, is Urugidi who came in as a centre-half stroke right back. Yeah. He can cover that if there's injuries. But to be honest with you, and we'll get to them when we're talking about him individually, I wouldn't be playing him right back. Yeah. Um, so is that a position Do you think... A, has been strengthened by the arrival of Juranovic, and B, that we still need to strengthen again in January? Oh, definitely strengthened it by signing Juranovic, definitely. Um, It's just about now keeping him fit between now and January to give him the run of games that we need. We do need another number two, in my opinion. And if I was given the opportunity to pick the player coming in, I would go with Calvin Ramsey at Aberdeen. I think the boy's going to be an absolute star. Um, you've already seen the interest that's been shown in him. Celtic's had interest in him for a while now, um, but he's been offered loans down to, sorry, not loans, trials down to big teams down south, including Manchester United. I think this is the sort of time where Celtic's got to get in there and pick up that young talent before they come out of our transfer sort of budget. When they go to the likes of the, your Manchester United and that, Celtic just can't afford to keep up with them. We have to move in now and make that, and if we have to send them back out on loan to Aberdeen for a season, then that's maybe the idea that what has to be done. But when you see a young talent like that coming through the Scottish League, you're thinking, if that was a Celtic in the, the 80s or the 90s, we would be all over that little rash. I think he might bypass Celtic, Colin, if I'm being honest. Now, I've, I've seen him probably as much as yourself and the next person in the comments section, but he does look like a talent. But when you see clubs like that circling um, Patoji for a player... You kind of think, well, we we already we can't compete, and you need to you need to get in uh, early. Yeah, there's a level of risk there. How much would Aberdeen be looking for 
who knows? I mean, I remember when we were looking at McKenna and they were talking at, for me, a fee that was way out of his ability. They were talking eight, eight million quid, weren't they, to mm-hmm. sell McKenna to Celtic? So, you know, I don't think I don't think that uh, Celtic will be on the money with that. I don't think we'll be quick enough, and it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up down south. I mean, you take a look at it. So McKenna ended up going for what three and a half million pounds. So there's negotiations to be had with these teams. Mm-hmm. For me, and I know we're not at that position yet. One of the biggest talents in Scottish football left for a million pounds in, Jan- in the summer transfer window there because his club sort of needed the money to come in. Now, this is where you look at Scottish football and you think of Celtic over the past 15, 20 years and it was a market that we were able to pick up really good players from. Yeah. Even when you go back maybe to the likes of Gordon Strachan when he picked up Barry Robson and Paul Hartley in the same window mm-hmm. and the difference that that had to the Celtic team and how it drove Celtic to the title. Now, you end up playing that same midfield against Barcelona, a fantastic Barcelona team at that, and we gave them a good game. I believe we're in front at half-time. I think it was 2-1 at half-time, or maybe 2 each. That's when Robson scores the header. Robson and uh, Jan Venegura Hesselink score the headers. That's that's the kind of talent. These players can make that step up, but we seem to, over the last couple of years, have went away from that, and we've been looking at guys like Ismail Asoro um, and Kouassi Ibui and players like that. We've been looking to try and get the young sort of foreign talent instead of the young Scottish talent. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a Celtic fan, a Rangers fan, an Aberdeen fan, a Hibs fan. You know what it's like to pull on that jersey to play for Celtic. You know the pressure that it brings with you and you know the rewards it can bring on your career. You're not telling me that if you get in there early enough, there's not a young player in Scotland that goes... If I can get my name into that that Celtic team, then it's going to have a better impact on my career than playing for a reserve team down south. Mm. Right, Chris is a great example again, picking him up from Inverness Cali Thistle. You know, he was one of the brightest talents in Scottish football at that stage, we, and we went out and we bought him, and it was you know it worked out well for all all parties. Uh, we maybe would have expected more in terms of the transfer fee, but that's just the way the circumstances were at that point. So, yeah, I don't have any argument about the right-back situation, Colin. Left-back, I know it's kind of tenuous because he's not an out-and-out left-back. He has actually said in the press conference that we were involved in that he prefers to play left-side centre-half. Mm-hmm. But he can play left-back, and he's the only player that we've signed who is able to um, actually be deployed as a left-back, and that's Liam Scales. He comes in from Shamrock Rovers. He's been called up to the Republic of Ireland squad, cost us about a half million quid. Around about that time, there was a wee bit of criticism for suggesting that he was bought almost as a project um, along the same lines as uh, the other Liam, Liam Shaw and Asazi Urugiri. Um, But looking at the situation and the lack of game time since his arrival at Celtic, it makes me wonder if he is viewed as something of a long-term option for Celtic. Would you like to see him getting more game time at left-back? I think we will see him getting more game time at left-back after this international break. I think Celtic have been very coy with him. They've had him in and around the team. He's been on the bench now for a number of weeks. He came off the bench against Rafe. He looked very impressive in that game against Rafe. But you've got to remember this boy's making the step up from the League of Ireland to um, playing in front of 30,000, 40,000, even more, when you're playing for Celtic. So it will take a bit of time to adapt. People say, how can he not be fit? He's already played a season. 
we're not talking about him actually being physically fit. We're talking about him being mentally and physically fit and ready so that when it comes into the fact that you're saying to him, right, you're going to be playing next Wednesday against Hibs at Easter Road, that he's ready for that occasion. And at the minute, you've got the young lad, Montgomery, um, who has sort of made that step up and he knows what it is because he's been at the club for years and years and years and he fully understands it and he's mm. played the games. So you're able to sort of trust him just a bit more at the moment. But I think over time what you'll see is Scales slowly making his integration into the team and he'll make that left-back jersey his own. Well, I mean, that would be one position I think that in January we still need to strengthen. I look at the, the left-back scenario that we came into the season um, with Greg Taylor, who was mm-hmm. undoubtedly the, the, the first-choice left-back. Uh, we had Leo Held um, out there who appeared in the pre-season but there had been kind of uh, grumblings early doors that he wanted to move down south and he got it and he went away down to Leeds United. So Good it feel that they got for him as well. Yeah, absolutely. And because it's all on potential at this stage. Mm. You know? um, so Montgomery can play there. I don't know if that going forward is his position. Um, I think that actually further up the park is his position, Colin, from what, yeah. from what I've seen. So Liam Scales, I'd like to see him getting some game time uh, out left. But I still don't think that, for me, if you want to uh, progress as a football club and you want to start winning trophies again, that even Greg Taylor is at that level. So of the first three positions that we've looked at, goalkeeper, right back, left back, I think, without doubt, we need to strengthen it left back come January. I'd like to see what Liam Scales can offer first before saying that. Um, because you saw for Shamrock Rovers, he's been able to step up in the um, Europa League qualifiers and people say, well, who's he coming up against? But look at some of the performances Celtic have had and who they've came up against. And it is of a similar level. I think Scales will be someone who... He's someone who's been outgrown the League of Ireland now for a while. There was talk of him going to League One, League Two down south. There's been teams in the Championship interested in him. When you speak, when you hear the stories from his agent, there was teams in the English Premiership interested in him. So, I I honestly think that yes, as much as he's a project player, he's still someone who, as I was just speaking about earlier, has got that talent, that raw talent, and like you said with McGregor, this he can be moulded into the player. That's the sort of potential, I think, that Liam Scales has got, and we'll hopefully see that after the international break. I think that we'll have no choice other than to see that because we can't continually play Montgomery for two two games a week, Colin. So no, I'm pretty sure no. we'll get some game time. Michael Chalmers comes in. Welcome to the show, Michael. And you're suggesting that if he gets a few games, we might find out him and Welsh could look a good pairing. Um, listen... Welsh and Murray looked like a decent enough pairing, but obviously they were just thrown together under difficult circumstances. So you never know. He might end up playing in his preferred position um, as well at centre-half. Mm. Talking of which, centre-halves, we've brought in three. We've actually brought in three centre-halves um, you know, since last season. And we're looking at the very first one coming in uh, was Osazi Urugidi. Sheffield Wednesday... They got a development fee for him. And from what I've seen in the pre-season, particularly in the games, the game against Preston it was, I just don't think he's anywhere near it, Colin. I don't think he's anywhere near being a first-team player for Celtic. 
No, and by all accounts, um, when he's performance and for the B team, they haven't been that great either. So I've seen more of him on TikTok and YouTube than what I've actually seen of him putting on a Celtic jersey. And when I kind of look at that as a standard of where is he going to be, I don't think he'll get into the first team at all this season. He'll probably go out on loan in January. Like it's one of those sort of low risk ones because your, your development fee is somewhere around a hundred to two hundred thousand pound. If he was a good player, Celtic could have made ten, twenty times that. If he's not, then it's a kind of low risk. You kind of write it off. So I'm not writing off his Celtic career yet, but I do think he does need to go out there and get some game time to see what he can actually do. Yeah, and when you're looking at uh, kind of backup, if there is uh, an injury crisis in the centre half area, you're looking at Stephen Welsh every day of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. Before you would expect Osazi to get a game. Next in the door was uh, Carol Starfelt thrown in at Tynecastle for the first game of the season. Four and a half million pounds from Ruben Kazan. He's had a bit of a slow start, but he seems to be developing a partnership with uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Some people were a bit concerned at the lack of physicality against Aberdeen. Mm, I'd say Starfelt's a five out of ten so far. I think there's very, very good points to Starfelt's game. Um, As I've said time and time again, if you see a cross coming into the box at height, he is the one that's putting his head out there and he's clearing it. Crosses, as long as the ball's in the air, he's he's clearing it. What I don't like about his game is when the ball's at his feet. I think that he looks very uncomfortable with the ball at his feet, um, despite the fact that he probably, every single game he's played for, has had the most amount of touches of the ball because it seems to be a sort of passing game between him and Cameron Carter-Vickers. They just pass it back and forth to each other and it gets his touches up. When he comes over the halfway line, he just looks scared. He looks like a rabbit in the headlights. He doesn't really know what to do. Um, Tends to pass it back. And the one thing that I've noticed about him, and it really, really bugs me because I I don't want to see my centre-half ever doing it, is when the ball's played up to the striker and he's marking the striker, he lets the ball bounce and he's got his arms around the the striker. I think we saw it against Aberdeen the other day um, when he had his arms around Ramirez. I want him to begin up there and not letting that ball bounce, just getting ahead on it. It doesn't matter where it ends up as long as you get it clear. Don't even give that defender the opportunity to turn you because if the West Ham game taught anybody anything in pre-season, it's just how kind of open the Celtic defence can be and if you're doing that and you're letting the ball bounce, it's putting not only you but you're the teammate you've got alongside you at risk and the Scottish referees will not be quick to give you a yellow card for something like that Well, my, my big concern similar to yourself is his um, you know, his inability almost to uh, retain the ball uh, when the ball's played at his feet and it's happening time and time again because we continually play this ho- this inverted horseshoe that goes from Montgomery on the left and it, it plays all the way through, ends up back at heart because that's the way that Ange wants to play from the back. So he's getting a lot of the ball at his feet. He doesn't mm-hmm. look comfortable with that, Colin, and that's no. a bit of a concern because if you have a very um, rigid strategy in terms of how you want to play, he doesn't look like the kind of player that you would bring in. And that, yep. that concerns me a wee bit because then you start asking yourself, and I know that when he was asked about it, he says, I know about um, I know about the player's attributes because that's why I brought him in, mate. That's what he said. Um, and that's fine. But I think that's a figure of speech. I mean, the club, I think, brought him in. I don't think Carl Starfield actually is suited to Angie's passing no. system from the back. But one player who certainly is suited from uh, the back, passing it around, comfortable with the ball at his feet, 
is Cameron Carter-Vickers. I've been very yeah. impressed with him since his arrival from Spurs on loan. Uh, and I'm looking at him thinking, well, we are expecting Julian uh, to come back into the side. I'm confident with Carter-Vickers. Is the centre-half position one that you're fairly confident with? when you consider that you've also got skills that can play there, you've also got Welsh, or would you be looking to bring someone else in in January? I would still like another one. I would like another bit of experience to add to that back line, just because you're one injury away from being in the position where you're putting scales in, you're putting maybe Beaton in there, and maybe looking to call up Dane Murray again. I would just like to have that insurance policy going forward that you've got another experienced head. Maybe someone who isn't getting game time down south and you bring him up for a six-month loan deal and I'm not talking about Shane actually Duffy. like... Yeah. Yeah, Shane. <laughs> You're breaking up a wee bit, Colin, but that was okay. tongue-in-cheek. Shane Duffy has uh, refound his form and all the best to him because it's great to see that uh, he is enjoying his football again and indeed he seems to be enjoying life a wee bit better as well. So fair play to him. Yeah, yeah you, exactly, exactly. What I'm looking for is maybe someone, and this sounds daft, but someone in the mould of a, like a Jermaine Defoe that Rangers have got. He's an experienced striker that they can turn to off the bench. I'm looking for an experienced centre-half that I can put in there. Um, and I don't think Celtic have had that for a long period of time. Someone like uh, your Daniel Mistorovic, who wasn't great, but he was someone you could turn to for 15, 20 minutes to see out a game. I just want that experience in there someone that's got experience of winning at a decent level as well because we are late in a lot of positions and it's not something that you want to go and spend five, six million pounds on because you've saw the likes of Welsh coming through and he's he's improved massively and that's not to say that guys like Dane Murray could do that as well or uh, Boston Lowell who's in the B team who seems to be putting in great performances week in, week out. Mm. You just want that added bit of experience to guide you through what can be a very tough season I mean, this, po- this point coming in here from Stephen uh, Bon Bon Bevan that's the kind of signing I was looking at a Gary Cahill, even just for six months would have done something to that Celtic team just to add a bit of reassurance in there One final question then, Colin um, if you give Starfield a five so far what kind of rating would you give Cameron Carter-Vickers? Uh, he's a seven seven out of ten so far that wraps up the kind of first part because that's the goalie and the defenders that were brought in. Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.